you passed your barbecue sauce check. It's the No Class RPG Podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Matt. Matt, we had some delicious barbecue right before this. Yes, we did. It's from the infamous, no, nay, famous Bodish's Barbecue on Marberly Street in Longview, Texas. Which for you international listeners, you may not know that Bodacious is a chain of barbecue places, but there is only one true home for barbecue. That's the one on Moberly. Yeah, the original location. And they've went up against big city uh, big city nights. Barbecue vendors or whatever and come out, you know, second, third, fourth, first, you remember place. They're uh Texas Monthly, they're in the like top five these days. They've yeah, they're the national they're statewide rated, which when you're in a state known for barbecue and a state this big, big that's really noteworthy. Absolutely. That's what I talk about when you got a, 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 a state bigger than most countries that's known for barbecue and you're noteworthy in that regard. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I was going to say, what was the one we went to in Dallas? We'll talk bad about them real quick. Oh, a hard eight. Yeah. That people have just raved about them. And don't get me wrong. If, if you're barbecue poor, I'm sure you'd be impressed by the hard eight, but you need to come. We, we're, we're spoiled. spoiled. Yeah. You owe me ding, a Coke. Ding, ding. Yeah. But we ended up taking the, uh, what were they with the Wisconsin crew? Yeah. And we ended up going, guys, we're sorry. This wasn't and that great. And they just raved. And I was like, God bless y'all. God bless y'all. You know. that. So hopefully someday yeah. they'll come down this way and have some of our delicious barbecue. Oh, yeah. Their minds will be blown. And when we're talking about those guys. Yeah. But thank you very much to uh, Brian Merchant, who is a fine American and just an all-around great guy. A true patriot. Absolutely. He gave us some really good feedback, which we really appreciate. And he gave us a great idea for a topic that we may or may not be using in the near future. We probably will. Yeah. We need topics. We need all the help we, we can get. Please. But, I mean, you got to uh, – God bless old uh, – um, Robert O, that uh, he gave us a bunch of topics at one time, but we chewed through them like in one episode when we really should have. But we were still getting our sea legs and learning things then. And But like I said, great feedback from Brian was, I've wondered about, we've kind of changed our, our format over time, and I'd wondered how people like that. Like, no, stick to strictly talking about RPGs or just this one RPG. But no, uh, uh, Brian said he likes the geek culture, nerd culture bit and whatever. So I really appreciate that feedback. Yeah. Well, here's the other one for you listeners. Do you want us to talk about something that's not RPG related? Yeah. Because I, for one, think we should keep it RPG related. We can talk about other stuff, but the focus, mm -hmm. the big topic has to be RPG related. But yeah. what do you think? What would you like to hear us talk about? Yeah. Would you like us to just load one up that's the sounds of silence? <laughs> you just sleep to it. Uh, I heard back from our fourth listener, Ace. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ace. He's actually, he's a follower. He's yep. not just a listener. He's a follower. He's a quality individual. Absolutely. So that was good to hear from him. We, we, we appreciate everyone, by the way. You know, you do. Absolutely. Well, this is the point in the program where we talk about the long con. What? What is the long con? I have no idea. They It's just on my script. They pay me. Yeah. I read it. There you go. Who knows? That's, the, that's that audacious duo that have the nerve, the unmitigated gall. To hold a convention, an in-person convention, in the time of, of the COVID. COVID. Cody. Uh, yeah, that's for you, Cody. So um, The audacious and bodacious pair. Exactly. A bodacious pair is always appreciated. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're, we're pushing forward 
you know, because the governor says it's okay. And, and actually, I'm really proud of, uh, I'd recently seen um, st- some statistics or, or information that all the states are have seen maybe a, a slight uptick or a surge or more than a slight there are three states that have that have seen a decline in cases of COVID-19 and Texas is one of those states so I'm really tickled about that are you sure about that are you positive <laughs> I'm absolutely positive that I'm tickled about that there's a little in joke there for you folks yeah yeah hey I love everybody everybody's entitled to their opinion absolutely that's why that's what makes America great you're entitled to your opinion Anyway, but yeah, yeah you're no. entitled to our opinion. Absolutely. That's the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> Let me lean back for that laugh. Hope you're not deaf now, folks. Um, but yeah, anyway, we're going ahead with Long Con. Um, we've had some new people like the page. We're up to what, 500? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just, thank you, everyone. We're just humbled and our minds are blown. And we never started this for any reason other than we love gaming. And we really loved going to uh, North Texas RPG Con. And we were like, man, I wish we could see some of these people more than once a year because we love these people. We love gaming with them. We love to interact with them. And, you know, uh, after the games, share a drink, swap stories, you know, whatever. And we're like, how can we make that happen more than once a year? And we thought, well, we'll start a con, but then, you know, no one will come. And, you know, and this year, that's probably true. that nobody listens to you. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, uh, anyway, yeah. But yeah, no, so we're, we're moving forward. Things are really exciting. The hotel is so tickled to have us. They've offered... Already, we get a phenomenal rate from them for rooms. They've discounted it even further. If you don't have your room yet, there we have a link. But even without the link, you can call and say, I want the long con rate. Um, they're doing all these hygienic measures. They've always been very hygienic. They're even going even further. We've always been a hygienic con before current events. We're taking extra steps. Uh, Eddie's invested in a handy uh, gun thermometer. Um, you know, I've bought even more hand sanitizer than we normally keep on hand, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Things are getting, we're going to socially distance. We have the whole venue this year, and we're going to spread out. We're going to spread out. Anyway, so I'm really excited. It's it's infectious. The excitement is infectious at the long con. Exactly. The excitement's infectious, and only the excitement. I hope so. Poor choice of words there. <laughs> yeah. Freudian slip. Oh, anyway. All right. Well, before we talked about it for five minutes, I was going to say we didn't have much to say about it. There's your obligatory smack. There's the first one. Well, let's see if I edit those out or not. I can only hope because I did it again. (laughs) Eh, Probably not. I'm sorry, folks. I'm trying. Well, even more popular than the long con talk is the pop culture minute up here up the front. So, you got any TV shows, movies you want to talk about? Well, yeah. I'm glad you asked. So, since last we met, um, I watched Train to Busan, Busan, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. We'll assume you are. Yeah, so I'd heard about this, gosh, years ago. At that time, it was available on Netflix, and I've added it to my like list. Well, it's fallen off Netflix, haha. But I watched it on um, one of these streamers, you know, and um, Tubby, Tubi or whatever, which it wasn't too bad. Um, and I really enjoyed it, but I mean, people had made out like this is, they've broke the, 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 they've redefined the zombie, you know, movie or whatever. Nah, it was good, but it's like, it's a zombie uh, infection breakout on a train. Okay. I mean, you know, that doesn't just redefine the whole genre, but it was still, I think it was a worthy uh, movie, you know, and it, it's dubbed, but you know, I enjoyed it. You can find it, like I watch it for free on Tubi or whatever. What era is this from? 
This movie's probably about 10 years old. Oh, wow. So, you no, know, it's actually fairly recent. Part of the current zombie crop. These are, you know, I always, my nomenclature for zombies, you got like your kind of like foot drag and crawling zombies, and you've got your 28 day sprinters. These are sprinters. So, to some reason, that always seems a little more, you know, scary. You know, ooh, they sprint at you or whatever. I mean, it's that quick infection. You know, you got bit. You know, we're not like, I'm going to languish here for days, guys. Put me out of my misery. It's like, you know, their eyes start to cloud over and they're snapping their neck and screeching and clawing within 30 seconds or something. They're know? volatiles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so that's my movie. Anything, any movies, comics for you? Uh, yeah, actually for... Uh almost a TV and a comic. Uh, the Boys is done now. The season's wrapped. If you were waiting to watch it all on Amazon, now you can. You can binge it all at once. Mm-hmm. I won't give you any spoilers, but this season was fantastic. Binge-worthy. Was it better than season one? Maybe. I'd have to go back and rewatch season one. Season one was really, really good, and this one does not fail to deliver. No, it was... It was a it was a roller coaster ride. It was a lot of fun. It was it was a it's worthy contribution to the franchise or whatever. And see, interesting, you have the insight that you've read the comic and watched the show, and I believe don't let me misquote you. In a lot of ways, you've uh, felt that the show was the worthier. Oh yeah, definitely. A lot of times you go back and you're like, whoa, the book was so much better. In this one, the show is so much better because what is it? Garth Ennis or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. he hates superheroes mm-hmm. and it shows Yeah. so when you read the comics you're really getting this I don't know it's you feel the dislike for the heroes which is fine but it's kind of like disliking you're writing about something your source is something you dislike so it's like yeah okay and then he's got a tendency to go overboard with stuff Whereas the show reels it in, they've made a lot of good changes that actually make sense. Like Stormfront was originally a guy, right? And I love the the character. I don't want no to spoilers. Trying, I'm, I'm trying to spoil anything, but the one character that um, they made her look like AOC mm-hmm. was originally a guy, and originally was dumb as a rock. Mm-hmm. But instead, this this woman's clever. Yeah, and they've Which, modernized it. They've been able to do little twists like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's and I and I'm I'm all on board and think it's wonderful. I have no problem with, you know, when they change characters for the most something like this. I don't care that they change a gender or yeah. nationality or and whatever. they're such one dimensional comic book characters in yeah. the comics. Yeah, so they don't like really the want to flesh them out. And, yeah. You know, there's not too much to Homelander except he's evil, mm-hmm. which is okay. I get it, but. You get a lot more character development and story in the show. Well, that's something like uh, Game of Thrones where, and say what you will about George R.R., but he'll take a character that he introduced in this one chapter that's a despicable villain, and then that character got their own chapter, and he humanizes them to where you're like, God, I hate that guy so much, but I kind of feel bad for him, you know, and that's mm-hmm. brilliant writing. Um, but anyway. Uh, I've always been a big fan of American Dad, so it's back with a new season. This is kind of our recommendations, you know, folks, if you have nothing to do. So if you like American Dad, I think it's stayed pretty good across the board. It's not like, oh, man, until season this, you can watch it, and then it falls off a cliff. But I think American Dad has actually stayed pretty funny. I think it's done a lot better with that than Family Guy. So there's a new season of American Dad if you haven't 
checked it out and you need something to watch. Cool. Well, you know, there's even some series where honestly it'd be like, hey, you probably don't even want to start watching it till season. That's when it kind of got better or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So, how about video games, since we have something in common there to talk about? All right. Uh, I don't remember how much we talked about this last time. I think maybe Matt was playing it, well, and I, I was going to try it out. I'd mentioned that I just bought it, if we're talking about, yeah. Dying and, Light. And we'd let y'all know about it. So, it's funny. I bought it and tried it, and I liked it, so I mentioned it to Eddie, and, well, I, I don't think Eddie liked it, though, at all. I love everything. You know that. Right. I like everything. Yeah. But I like it. Yeah, uh, it's a lot better as a multiplayer game. I mean, it's got it's a good solo game or whatever one challenge. player game, yeah. but there is something to it to have somebody to play it with. Oh man, yeah, and there's some of the fights that a backup is would make all the difference. It's still a challenging fight, but not nearly. And I think it's about five years old. Yeah, but for a five year old game, it looks really good. It plays really well. It still has quite the faithful following after five years. Well, the thing I was gonna say was. That was still big in the zombie heyday. Yeah, yeah. So it's a zombie. Zombies are taking over this town. Right. To, to give you, the, it's an open world, first person, survival horror game by Techland. So a lot of those are no-goes for me. Like, oh, I can yeah. see why I didn't play it five years ago. Right. It's a zombie game. How many zombie games were there five years ago? Right. All of them. But this one's a standout. And it's know. a horror survival game. Nah, I don't really play a lot of those. And it's a hardcore parkour Yeah, I was going to get to my little funny bit about if you come to me and said, hey, want to play a zombie movie? I'd be like, yeah, maybe. It's got a lot of parkour. No, I'm good. But I mean, but luckily I didn't know that going into it. The parkour is so well implemented that it's not bad. I I don't mind it. I like it even, which is saying something. Because stuff like that in a game, this guy will tell you, that's just like, ugh, I hate that stuff. But in this case, I like it because it, it's well implemented. Well, I could see that. Like we talked about our buddy Gary, mm-hmm. that would be an automatic turnoff for him is all this running around and yeah, jumping like Spider-Man. Yeah. And I'll give props because I mean, he's like him and the PS4 controller become one. But it's like we'll take off running across the, 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 the rooftops and I got a head start on him. And all of a sudden I'll look for his, him and I'm like, where are you going? And on the map I'll see his blip like, three blocks ahead of me and the great thing is all the zombies are kind of spread out but as he runs through there they kind of converge in his wake to follow him <laughs> and then sometimes i'll charge into a pack of like five and i'm like damn it you know because so i really can't follow his path it's not like he's blazing a trail you know but that's a whole other thing i figured you'd love it every time you started running somewhere and it's like another player is waiting for you at the checkpoint <laughs> yeah 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 there's a couple of times you know I've had to wait on you, but more times than not, it's me waiting on you, yeah. So, But anyway, I would honestly, I think it's a great game, and you can probably get it pretty cheap. Yeah, especially if you just wait on a sale. Dying Light 2 should be on the way soon. Yeah, which I love I loved getting into something when the next iteration's about to hit, because I'm like, because think if we'd found this five years ago, and we're like, I'm famine for the next part. But what I'll give them that is, like, there's a main storyline that a lot of people, I've done some research online, have said some good things about, and so far I've enjoyed the main storyline, but you've done a lot of the side quests. What would you say about their side quests? I mean, like, as, like for a lot of games, they're just kind of a yeah, yeah, just, you know, we it's good. It adds to the story. They yeah. tie back in and keep it going. Like here, all these posters you see up around town, for example. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that guy. The, here is the, what was it? The governor of the mm-hmm. 
township or whatever you want to say. Well, at one point, I'm looking off into the distance of the burning town and the zombies moaning everywhere, and there's this big banner hanging off of a building. It's a little tattered. Since this incident's happened, it says it's like Hell Raid. And you figure, oh, is that like a movie in this world or a video game or something? Well, it is, but Teehee, the kind of, what's what I'm looking for, the, the, you know, the immersion, that was another game that this company was originally working on. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you see the arcade game in the lobby somewhere of the hotel. In the tower, the, yeah. In the tower. And so, and I was talking to uh, our bud Cody, and he was telling me that actually they had finally said, I guess they're not going to finish the game. So what they've done, they just push out the door where you can, I think, get it as a, maybe a, a, an inexpensive DLC or free or something that you can, like, if you go, after you've loaded it, you can click on the arcade game and you go into Hell Raid so you can play Hell Raid like a game within a game. Hmm. Which there are a number of interesting looking DLCs for this game as well, just FYI. You know, that, that prolong the story and add you know, more, more content. Anyway. All right. Well, that was our video game. How about a board game? Well, one more thing on video oh, okay. games. I know we've beat this horse to death, but I thought this would be funny. We still, I find time to play a little bit of For Honor. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite hero in front? Like the characters you play are the heroes, because there are little scrub troops in some of these battlefields you fight in. But you're you're playing the hero characters. What's your favorite hero? Okay, the Conqueror. Oh really? Yeah. Well, you've played him quite a bit, but you play the other ones a lot too. Oh, that was the one I was figuring you were trying to coax me into saying. No, no, but I mean, I honestly I don't know. So that's why I asked. I thought our listeners and I will find out in the same stroke. So, okay, I say the Conqueror. What do you say? You've you know, jumped around a lot, but I bet it's yeah. Mr. Hammer right now. Yeah, right now I'm really into the Jorgmunder or whatever, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. My my Hollish is not the best, or my Swedish, whatever. But the uh, uh, the, the Jorgmunder, I've enjoyed a lot. I'm pretty good with him. But I will say these different daily uh, Quests. Quests that whatever you have to do will kind of nudge you into playing different classes. I hadn't played the Shigoki in a while, and I got on him, and, man, there was a dude that we were in a breach game that he was being faced down by three guys, and they're owning him, but he's not dead. And I charged him just as he hit the dirt, and, man, I faced off and took down all three of those with the Shigoki, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's the one I would have said before when we were – First, getting into it, yeah. that would be your favorite character. But I will say, as soon as I was done with the those particular group of characters that he's part of, I jumped back to the to the hammer guy because I do pretty. He's that sweet spot. He's a hard hitter, but he's more mobile. The Shigoki can be aggravating when you're trying to rush across the battlefield. Mm-hmm. He is so very slow, but there's a fair trade off. He's a mountain. I mean, you know, he can take a lot of. You can take a lot of abuse and dish a lot out. So, anyway, it's, it's a fair trade. Yeah, I tried that just a few minutes ago before we started doing the cast, and boy, am I rusty at that game. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I've got Persona 5, I think. Robert Vegeta will be able to correct me. I think he's a big mm-hmm. fan of that game. I'm going to try that again. I've tried it before, so we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And I've got something else that I can't even remember, but I've got a couple. I'll have a few new ones for you guys next time, probably. Cool, cool. And, and also on PS4 front news and those, you know, listening, apparently PS4s are vodka-proof. <laughs> as long as you have a lot of rice in your house. Exactly. Luckily, I quickly wrapped it in a thin T-shirt, stuck in a trash bag full of rice, and prayed, you know. I was like, I promise I'll do better, you know. And, yep, working like a champ. So, yay. All right. All right. A board game. You actually got to have a chance to finally sit down and play mm-hmm. some Castle Panic. And so did our friends Cody and Sean. Yeah. Whenever Eddie was, 
I won't say working, but was a. I still am. Yeah, I'm I mean, pimping these games. Yeah, but thanks to the time of the COVID, COVID yeah. that's slowed down. You can't go and do yeah. board game because everybody loves. Anymore. Let me hold hold those dice and roll them on my turn. Here, let me touch this game piece or whatever. here touch my game yeah piece at least too. with an rpg it's like you've got your own stuff don't touch my don't, stuff i've always been don't touch my die so yeah yep <laughs> but um but anyway eddie in a recent podcast hey he's given us some very honest reviews of these games that he's been uh, demoing for these companies and he'd really spoke in such a way about castle painting that i, I love it it sounds like a lot of fun I've, I've been really telling him like come on man i want to play that board game but it's when do you find the time mm-hmm. we finally found the time it was a blast. I had a lot of, I'll highly recommend Castle Panic. It's that sweet spot where easy to get into and learn the basic dynamic, but then there's layers and strategies to it that, that keep the, um, keep it interesting. So there's one of the rare five-star reviews from both of us on a game, on a uh, board game. Yeah. Don't hold your breath for the next one, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'd love when we can get back to uh, promoting, you know, board games as well, but not, not right now. All right, we've done movies and shows and Video games and board games. We've got books. Got any books? Um, I'm going to tell on myself. I've tried to get it's into... Been busy. To, yeah, I really have. Into Sooner Dead that I'd mentioned before, which is a Gamma World novel. I got in about the first or two chapters, but I've been kind of busy slash it didn't set the hooks. So we'll see. You know. Well, for all of our fans out there that just love the Transformers, I found yet another one for you. Transformers... And Back to the Future crossover. Wow. So they have made an actual Transformers figure, which is a DeLorean, the time machine, that converts into a robot now. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. And now they've done a comic of that, as you would. It's pretty good. It's not It's not done yet, so I can't say, hey, it was great. But the Transformers Terminator, fantastic. Highly recommend that one. Yeah. Go check that out. Yeah, they did a crossover with the, the Terminator, now uh, Back to the Future, any of the other classic, like RoboCop or anything like that? Not that I am aware of. They've done other ones. Like, there's Transformers Star Trek. There's yeah. Transformers Ghostbusters. They're crossing wow. over with My Little Pony right now. So it's anything from the 80s, but they're both from the... These are both properties from the 80s that they're crossing over with, so that's funny. Yeah, Next, there'll be Transformers Strawberry Shortcake. Oh, Transformers G.I. <laughs> Joe is classic, though. There's oh, been a yeah. ton of those. Well, those were both done by that Marvel uh, cartoon company, you know, that we'd mentioned in a recent cast. And something that might surprise people, though, was I actually read some Star Wars comics. Hmm. So, for you Star Wars fans out there, if you haven't picked up the Infinities comics, check hmm. those out. Do you remember the old Marvel What If comics? Oh, God, I love those. Me too. I love those What Ifs in general. Because there I love a lot of great storylines you couldn't pursue in a regular comic, but you could do this one-off in What If, and it would be... Or it's too dark. Like, What If Thor had you know, fumbled in this one battle and lost the hammer and then the whole world would go to hell in a handbasket just because of that one action, yeah. that one battle he didn't win or that one person he didn't save. Yeah. Like everybody's got chubbly nubblies for Deadpool these days, but back before Deadpool being the ultimate killer in Marvel, there was a really cool what if where basically the Punisher, like every all the heroes became undead or vampires or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically... uh Cap, uh, Doctor Strange gets killed by the other vampires. They're trying to, you know, turn him, and he won't let. He's like, I'd rather die first. So he dies, but he kind of pulls like an Obi Wan maneuver, and his spirit goes into his cloak and his amulet. Well, those fly and seek out the the Punisher, and they 
drop on Frank Castle. So now with the power of the cloak and the amulet and Dr. Strange like riding shotgun in his mind, he goes and gets like squirt guns full of holy water and things that like machine guns shoot wooden stakes. And he takes out all the other Marvel heroes that have turned vampire or whatever. It's a great what if. You get your hands on that, man. Yeah. I, but anyway. So the what if concept is really cool. I'm a fan of it. So for these infinities, there's four books for each of the first three movies. So I'm uh, in a new hope. The what if is what if they didn't blow up the Death Star? Oh, what wow. if they had failed on that attack? Uh, for the Empire Strikes Back, it's what if Luke had died on the ice planet of Hoth? Oh, wow. And then I'll let you figure the other one. I'll let you look into the other one. But I think probably the Empire Strikes, or not the Empire Strikes Back, the Return of the Jedi one was my favorite. Now, in the movies, that might be different because, you know, everybody loves Empire. But mm-hmm. actually, out of these comics, I'd say Empire was probably the weakest. Really? That's sad. Yeah. Just for the what if. Yeah. portion of it but i would definitely say if you like what ifs and you like star wars that's your pretty channel. good yeah. yeah pretty pretty good thanks for the tip bud anytime right. oh here's one we don't usually do hmm. music oh okay. so did you know acdc has dropped a new single it's all over my facebook feed really yeah. i haven't seen it at all well, it's i just all stumbled across facebook it on feed. youtube huh no, it's literally my, but I guess it's like, do you like ACDC on Facebook? I think so, but I don't follow uh, anybody or anything. Right, yeah. So don't get that personal folks, but he didn't follow anything. It's too much, too much entirely. Hatred. <laughs> so have you listened to the new single? Not, a, not at all. And it's all over your Facebook. Mm-hmm. Shame. No offense, but Black Eyes, I really didn't like Black Eyes. Well, there's been another one since then, I think. Oh, good Lord, not even know that. See? So, yeah. So, I mean, just no offense, but I ran out to buy Black Eyes. I'm like, finally more ACDs after how many years? And I was like, ugh. I mean, you know, then like, I think, um, I like, what's that one, Money Made or whatever? But anyway, exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, the new single is Shot in the Dark. Oh. The new album will be Rising Power. Okay. So, if you like ACDC, mm-hmm. you like this new song. If you don't like ACDC, carry on. But yeah. I like it. It's pretty good. Well, good. It had the uh, ACDC bluesiness that we've all come to know and love. So check that out if you're like me and just happen to not have stumbled across it yet. Yeah. There you go. You heard it here first. Awesome. And last. I guess before we get to our topic for the day, um, one of our listeners, Cody Moneybags Hurtle, let us made us aware of a Dark Trails update. Doot, doot, doot. Yep, because you know we love Dark Trails and we love David Beatty and we're all excited and anxious and definitely anxious. Um, so here it is. In the last four weeks, and I'm quoting you, the three of us, I assume David talking here, clocked more than 12 plus hour days than you can imagine. Exclamation point. That end result is all spells are done. God bless them. That's me. And being given one final editing pass by Gil before being sent to Matt for layout. <gasps> Woot. All right. So Some other Matt. Exactly. Not me. If it was coming to me for layout, it would never get done. <laughs> or it's already done. <laughs> it, it looks it, good. Looks good. We're good. You know, like Eddie, hey, check this, check, check the, the <laughs> whatever the thing, you know, the, for the, oh know. yeah, the program. Yeah, yeah. Hey, check out the program. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> so then later on, I'm like, God, look at all these errors. Somebody should have proofread this. Yeah, really? But anyway, tell them because it said in the book, proofread by, <laughs> proofread and approved by. 
<laughs> Maddie truly G. by the Grand Poobah. Anyway, but yeah, so I thought for those you know of y'all that are dark trails, and if you're not, you better get on it. I think you can still get on the trail. You can still kick it. I yeah. think yeah. Even though the Kickstarter's done, David's that much of a sweetheart. He left it open. I'm t- I'm so excited for this product, but I'm kind of bad that way. But never mind. Anyway, he's so excited. I, I really am. But it's kind of like with okay, I'm gonna go there. Barbarians. I really wish I would have got because like when you kick it, a lot of this stuff you get the PDF up front. And it, the unspoken thing is like, hey, would you kind of kick the tires, check it out? If something's wonky or there's some bad spelling or something, hey, let me know before we send it to final proof or whatever. But I want to wait till it's a finished final product before I even mess with it, which is really shouldn't be that way. But I ain't getting paid, you know what I mean? But anyway, so I know there's been some talk like, well, why aren't you running you know, dark trails or something at the condor. It's like, well, when I get the finished product in my hot little hands, I'm going to be running the poop out of it, but I'm just kind of, that's one of my quirks. I want the finished product. Like I don't go play betas of games other than if I do, I'm really going to try to find bugs and stomp them and do all that stuff. But people kill me. That'll play a beta and go, this game sucks. And I'm like, it's in baited you jackwad. Mm -hmm. It's not a finished product yet. So I don't want to have that negative first impression. I'm going to wait till it's a finished product. Anyway, and go well with a bunch of things yeah with a bunch of things you just brought up it reminded me of something when you had water spilled in your ps4 yeah what did you do um i quickly unplugged it you took your own action you took actions into your own hands right yeah yeah. i actually disassembled it and who was there to help you nobody you had to help yourself yeah but if you'd spilled water in your computer Mm -hmm. oh you know what you could have done well i could have called up computer center folks they don't just centralize your computer anymore anymore. they've moved on past that (sighs) they realized that once they've got everything centered in your house you got to keep it up and working right so if you're that kind of person that would pour water into one of your electronics by some foul means the place to go is longview computer center heck yeah this podcast sponsored by Longview Computer, computer Center. Center for so, all your computer centralizing needs. So thank you. The next hour will be dedicated. And also they have ink as well. It comes from exotic squids of Madagascar. It's they're lovingly tended by virgin maidens. They're deep in the, the ink. ink. They are it's a special process known to only these people. And it's the most exotic and spicy of inks. Well, have you ever heard of being in the black or well, being in the red for your business being successful? I, I have. Well, I think red if you're unsuccessful. but Exactly. Yeah. These are the only people that their business can be in the red and they're happy because it's red ink. Oh, And my. they're making sales. And now you make me want to go draw some blood with red ink. But we'll get back in black with our topic. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Go ahead, sir. So this one's a little history lesson from our foggy memories to you, your head huh? about TSR. Mm-hmm. And you know, do you still kind of refer to Dungeons and Dragons or think of it as being a TSR product? Like I got to go get that new TSR book. No, sadly. All um, right. Watsy's own possession for 20 years now. 20 years now. Yeah. Wow. It blows my mind. But yeah, that TSR logo, I can see it in my mind's eye. Both of them. The one with the little wizard and the one that's the blocked 
letters, you know. How about when people would type out TSR and instead of an S, they'd have a dollar sign? What? You remember that? Yeah. That was the derogatory, like, money-grubbing sign for TSR. What? Grubbing money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was way back in the early days of the internet. The fun times. Those were the good days. The lawless days. Those were wild days. Days of high adventure. So, while TSR was riding high, whatever happened, why does Watsy and eventually Hasbro... Have control of Dungeons and Dragons. How oh, indeed. I don't know. Tell them. Well, so let's try to be concise, I guess. And by the way, I'll do these as points and then kind of look to you. TSR know. Hobbies ran into financial difficulties in the spring of 1983. So up to that point, the company had been doing pretty good. Okay. Through layoffs around those times, a number of other relatively successful game companies were formed by ex-TSR employees, Paysetter and Mayfair Games, and some other employees went to electronic gaming companies like Coleco. Yeah, and just so you know, the very beginning of D&D, it was first published in 79. Yep. So now we're at 83, mm-hmm. and things so it, are going not so well. Yeah, so this is one of those first hiccups. Um so after losing their exec, and we've mentioned this before, I think, but Bob means there's some great books about the history of TSR and Gary Gygax and all that. Um, after losing their executive positions due to the company's underperformance, the Bloom brothers subsequently sold their shares to TSR Vice President Lorraine Williams. A name that shall live in infamy. Infamy, who had Gygax removed from the company in October 1985. Um, he was, Which that could be its own podcast. Oh, gosh, yeah, because like this is a heck. I mean, it's a really... The story, there's ups and downs and drama or whatever, just within how things fared. And God bless, you know, everybody wants to go, oh, Gygax, you know, to any of the Gygax family, we love y'all and I appreciate Gary Gygax so very much. Um, but it sounds like he had ran off to Hollywood at this time because I wouldn't have gone to it, but like TSR had uh, broke off into four different sub companies. Mm-hmm. And the, the entertainment leg, he ran off to Hollywood to, you know, party and well, I'm in Hollywood and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and so he kind of left Wisconsin to the Bloom Brothers and everybody there. And while he was away. The cat, the mice will play, you know. And so, yeah, so they had mismanaged the company. And so the Bloom Brothers were forced out. But as a screw you to Gygax, they sold their shares to Lorraine Williams. And I don't think Gygax ever saw that that possibility could occur, that there would ever be Dungeons and Dragons without him, well, because yeah. how could you yeah. imagine that? Yeah, I mean, not to just say, say hubris, but, you know, yeah, he was thinking, like, I am D&D MF. Which you know? everybody at the time probably would have agreed with the general public. Exactly, but this is how business and how these things mm-hmm. happen. He got ambushed in a, uh executive meeting and was told, you're out, Jack. The ambush at Sheridan Springs. There it is, yeah. Um, so, let's see, where were we? Uh, uh, but, yeah, um, so after losing their executive positions, the Bloom Brothers subsequently sold their Lorraine Williams. Da, 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 da. Okay, so TSR's fortune flourished under Williams, who was a financial planner. Um, so to say what you will, under oh, her, the company flourished for a while. For a while. For a while. There we go. But by 1995, had fallen behind their competitors like Games Workshop and Wizards of the Coast in overall sales. Now, this is where, put a gun to my head, concise reader digest version, what killed TSR Second Edition D and D. Okay, well, I will throw this out for Go the ahead, kids man. listening. Yeah, that you may not remember this when hair metal ruled the land, 
the poisons and the white snakes and such. Mm-hmm. And then Nirvana and Pearl Jam came along and just smashed it down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody was having a fine old time with their RPGs. And then collectible card games came out, and, and they, Magic smashed everything to the and, ground. And so, yeah, you basically, what I was about to get to, and you knew it. Good. And so that was it. Really, if you just put it in my head, keep it concise, Matt, it would be collectible card games and mismanagement of the company. Yeah, and yeah. I would say the conventional wisdom or the public opinion or whatever I think is to say that card games killed Dungeons & Dragons, but no. No. The mismanagement was the much bigger thing. Card games didn't help. Mm-hmm. But this would have been kind of like the artist that came through the 90s mm-hmm. and still were able to, you know. Well, this has been the hallmark with a lot of companies to where they've, they've, they've existed by these narrow margins. They don't worry about the downtrends or things that happen. And this stuff happens all the time. Well, I think it was that we're printing money now and mm-hmm. this train will never end. Nothing will always be making this amount of money. Yeah, and you just can't think that way, but so many businesses do, and they're too big to fail. No, you're not. And that's what, and they, but that's okay. Tax dollars will bail you out. That's another topic. But anyway, so seeing the profits generated by Wizards of the Coast with their collectible card game, Magic the Gathering, TSR attempted to enter the market in 1995 in a novel way with Dragon Dice. But Spellfire, the collectible card game, which is also an attempt at capitalizing on Magic, and Dragon Dice were expensive to produce, but neither one really caught on. Mm-hmm. And actually, Dragon Dice had enough initial success that that encouraged them to really go all in, which yeah. is a shame. I want to say they ended up making like $20 million, $40 million that year. Yeah, I was going to say, um, d- 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 despite total sales of $40 million, yeah. TSR ended 1996 baroque. After they'd made $40 million. Which was probably lucky for them that they could even do that instead of being, you know, $20 million in debt in if they debt, hadn't yeah. done Dragon Dice. Yeah. So TSR was unable to recover its publishing costs, so facing insolvency, TSR was purchased in 1997 by Wizards of the Coast. They initially honored the brand and called it TSR like 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 a subdivision kind of. and uh, but what it, But when they decided to come out with third edition... Nope, it said Wizards of the Coast on the on the books and whatnot. TSR mm-hmm. was no more. TSR wasn't that great a brand because of the fact of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. That's what you knew. That I mean, they could have called the business Dungeons and Dragons Corporation. Pretty so much. So there was some value in TSR, and for the old timers like us, mm-hmm. that's you know the hallowed name or whatever, mm-hmm. the sign of quality. That, yeah, I'll always have fond memories of TSR, but sure. even in TSR, there were times when they were like, let's call this the Dungeons and Dragons wing or this, that, and the other, because mm-hmm. we're more known, for, the product is bigger than the company. Well, yeah, and look at, we talked about this before, I think, but it's like there was basic D&D and advanced D&D and blip blap D&D, and at some point somebody said, let's just call this all D&D and do one product, not you know, because what's bad was there were people that, like me as a kid, that was like, well, basic, forget basic. I want the advanced version. And it turns out I probably would have been just as happy or happier with the basic version. You know, and there's some people that were probably put off like, oh, my, I don't even know what D&D is. And I'm going to just jump out into this advanced stuff, Ooh, you know, where they might would have liked it better. But that nomenclature threw people off, you know, or whatever. Just they're like, let's just have Dungeons and Dragons, you know, so. Were those missteps? Yeah, I don't know. So we're trying to figure out exactly how much we want to give you. We don't want to go back into like uh, when Gary Gygax got 
bumped out of the company because that would definitely be its own show. Oh yeah. But for the people, check out, check out empire of imagination talking about referring to a book, the, the book empire of imagination really, I, I, you read it. I mm -hmm. read it. It, it. I think it covers a lot of stuff really well. And the, the whole, I like the fact that you don't even know, like, uh, uh, talking about the whole satanic panic episode we did, uh, people hurled, hurled at Gygax, all this Satanism stuff. Guy was a Jehovah's witness. Who knew that? I didn't know that till empire of imagination or he claimed to be a Jehovah's witness, but anyway, carry on, sir. But you were saying we don't want to go into, Oh yeah. So, but in a way you can take advantage of our, uh, awesome experience here. We want to try and take you back to like the second edition time frame into mm -hmm. the nineties. So I know people are like, this is the golden age right here, but probably just as far as like publishing stuff came, mm -hmm. there was so much product being put out by TSR back then. Oh yeah. Like what do we get now for fifth edition? Two books a year? Yeah. You know, more, uh, I mean, two to four. Well, there was get so that, much. You don't get that much. You know, binders, notebook covers, uh, toys, uh, board games. I mean, well, not even just the peripheral stuff I'm talking about. And I think that's why now that they are limiting them to like having maybe two books a year mm -hmm. is because you had so many campaign settings. Mm -hmm. And if you got a campaign setting, you had to have this book and that book. Mm -hmm. And during the second edition, there was just so much product, actual straight up RPG product available right. for you. Birthright, Dark Suns, Hollow Earth. Council uh, of Worms. Yeah. And so you've got all this different stuff and what people got burnt and, and that's where they hurt themselves. Someone say jumped on board and said, or and even figure dragon lance and the whole, yep. that setting and those modules, people run out and buy this stuff, get really into it and go, all right, now I'm ready for that next installment or the next thing. Well, we're not going to do anything else with that. And then people were like, they get burnt in that regard. So when that next cool product comes out, they're like, I'm not going to jump on board that because are you going to, uh, uh, what's the word? Not endorse it, but are you going to continue support it? Support it. Is there going to be know? support behind is it? Is this going to be a deadline or whatever? You know? Because yeah, there was just so many different uh, box sets and realms and stuff that you could be playing in Spelljammer, mm -hmm. yeah. Planescape. Right. Yeah, I forgot the summer. So, I mean, we could still spit out more that we haven't uh, thought yeah. about right now, and, and all that was coming out, and, and, and you split your audience more and more. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. well, I was going to say, and a lot of stuff were worthy. I mean, they really were very inventive, groundbreaking, great product. I mean, there's there's people that live and die and just have a passion for Spelljammer and Planescape. Um, Aliquim. Yeah, Dark Suns is a really neat idea. It really turned the con a lot of concepts of D and D on its ear. And in a good way, and it was really a neat setting. I bought the box set. I couldn't get anybody to play it, but it, I thought it, it had merit. I mean, it really was good. And the artwork by Brom was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But anyway. But kind of like now, it's like, who wants to play 5th edition? Okay, now who wants to play 5th edition in the desert where spellcasters destroy the land and elves are, what were they, like eight foot tall and feral and well, half half were cannibals? Feral. Yeah, cannibals, yeah. And, or who wants to play in just a Ravenloft setting? Who wants to play with the vampires and stuff? You kept splitting your market. Mm -hmm. So they were, in a way, cannibalizing their own sales. Right. Taken from one yeah. to another. Yeah. Because if let's think about it, you're figuring, well, we'll we'll add whole people to our market. No, you probably got this one finite market right now. You're just divvying it up. Mm -hmm. And, you know. And so I think people kind of got overwhelmed and burned out there. And then whenever collectible card games came along, what's funny was here, me and my buddies were old time role players 
we stopped role playing for a while and really we got into collectible card games. When we meet up, hey, I got like a couple hours on Tuesday. We're like, past it, be like, hey, I want to try to get a game of D and D in. Hey, let's let's play, meet up and play Magic the Gathering. So I could see where it hurt them, because mm-hmm. and I, once again, you've only got a finite amount of money for your hobby, and them collectible card games have never been cheap. But what's funny about it was how many people kind of got away from role playing and got into collectible card games. But on the other hand, I remember meeting people that as you'd be playing the game, I'd be like, God, look at the elves, look at these dwarves, they're really cool. And I would start talking about, oh, these are concepts from D&D, what a fun game. And they'd be like, huh? And I'd be like, hey, you want to play D&D? And so we did bring a few people over into RPGs, but anyway. But you, you would say you lost more to cards mm-hmm. by far than you converted back over to RPG players, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, Which but, is strange to me because it doesn't scratch the same itch. You've only got um, a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, oh, are we going to play an RPG or a board game or a card game or this, that, or the other? But I don't really see where it got to where it's like, my itch is not being, my RPG itch is not being scratched by a card game. Yeah. And, and that was, um, yeah, one of those things that, that kind of, even nowadays is a dilemma as adults with busy lives. i like, man, I'd love to play a board game. I'd love to play an RPG, but you know. Which one are we going to do? Well, I guess it's also kind of like when that new game comes out, when everybody's playing Skyrim, and it's like, hey, are we going to meet Thursday? Well, let's not, because I'd rather be playing my video game. Right. For a while, it dominates. Oh, absolutely. But I don't. I think probably at the same time, the people that left to go to the card games, when they came back, if they ever wanted to, the, the landscape had changed now. You're in third edition, and they're not supporting all these hundreds of settings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's again became a problem with third edition, and we're going off on a tangent, kind of. But they were putting out a new splat book every month because I honestly believe Watsy was like, "We're printing money; these suckers will buy anything." And some of the suckers did buy everything. That's why a lot of them were but hurt when 3.5 went away because they had a literally. Remember as a kid, yeah, showing my age when you had. Did y'all have an encyclopedia set at the house? No, we were much too poor for that, well, but Grandma had it. Yeah, that's what I was going to It was like, we would have been, but green, H&H green stamps, we'd fill mm-hmm. so many books, and you'd be, you'd get like A, B, C, D, E, you know, whatever. So we had an in, in, in encyclopedias. I mean, but if you've ever seen them, and you know, I don't know, I'm using this as a reference, but I mean, instead of encyclopedias, it's huge, and they take up a whole big shelf or something. Well, literally, I knew guys that were the big buy-in for 3.5. They would have two shelves like that, and I'd be like, Jesus Christ, who can keep up with all this? And a lot of it was junk and filler, you mm-hmm. know. So anyway, and I think that's they learned their lesson because going maybe to fifth, you don't see a book every month. Right. Because they know the people are like, eh, you burned me once, you know, fool me once. You know? And one of the other things for the second edition days is when they had a freaking huge line of novels. Oh, yeah. All these different settings had to have novels to go along with them. Dragonlance. Um, that's when Ari Salvatore took off during that era. With the Drist books or whatever. Yeah, for Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Forgotten Realms and the Harpers and Dragonlance. And... But Forgotten Realms was an existing one into in first edition. Yeah. But when you hit into second edition, instead of one box set, it needed like five box sets. Well, and then there's the Undermountain sub Exactly. Set, yeah. So that's why it always had to, there was more product. You had to keep feeding the beast. Yeah. But at least it wasn't this thing, I'll say, the like... Uh, well, we've got to put out a whole new set of, you know, the three core books every few years to keep y'all buying those or whatever. But they were doing so much stuff otherwise. But a lot of times, 
only the GM needs to buy it. Mm-hmm. So they finally realized, well, wait a minute. You know, well, only one person at the table is going to buy this product. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, they were a victim of their success because they thought it would always keep going at this rate. Mm-hmm. And did you see that that's where they ended up having to make a deal with Random House? Mm-hmm. For their... they. What they did was they printed so much stuff that wasn't selling, Mm -hmm. they had to get locked into a printer. Mm -hmm. So they made a contract with them. They said, if you'll please print some more of our stuff, we will make a contract with you that says only you can do our printing. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge mistake right there. Because Random House had the print, the, the, the plates or whatever, you know, the, whatever their product. So, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when your printer can just shut you down, and that's what happened. Uh-huh. It's like, we haven't got paid, so we will not print anything. When you can't put out any more product on the shelf, you're done. And that's the idea. If you want to think of it as them printing money, the thought was, well, we're really getting behind, but we'll just print some more stuff. We'll sell X amount of it. We'll have revenue that we can pay you with. There was the catch-22. Yeah. We're not going to print anything. But I think Random House was the one that came in as a publisher and was helping them, and then the printer was separate. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Random House also, so you got a, you're locked into a printer. You can't print anything. Then mm-hmm. Random House is like, yeah, I know we got all this stuff from you to distribute. Mm-hmm. Well, here's millions of dollars in returns. This is the stuff that we can't sell. Yeah, you mentioned to me they got a bunch of these returns, and that's what killed them. Ugh. All the returns. But that's like even now, we've, we've heard stories about there are old warehouses and things and places where they still find some boxes and crates of this stuff from way back when they're like oh wow what the hell is this but indeed it was a lot of hubris on Mm -hmm. tsr's part right there that Mm -hmm. everything we do is going to be gold and if we decide to get into the collectible card game market we will crush whomever so we need to make sure we print out just millions and millions of dollars worth of that Mm -hmm. oh and this dice game is going to take off Mm -hmm. and it did okay but they thought it was going to go phenomenal that mm-hmm. initial little success from the dice game, they're like, this is going to be the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. Yeah, and speaking as someone who, who bought into both, I bought the initial starter set of the dice, and I was like, eh. I mean, even me, I was like, what is this? Didn't like it. Didn't buy any boosters for it. And then, and I think Gary and even Alvin might have bought, like, the initial dice set or whatever. And we played it, like, once. But then also, I bought into Spellfire, which is a collectible card game, and it had beautiful artwork because, you know, through the years, TSR had paid some incredibly talented artists to do some really great fantasy artwork. Problem was, there was no unique new artwork. It was all this rehashed, recycled artwork, which is not the worst, you know, the greatest crime you could commit, but that was a complaint I remember back then for a number of people. Well, first off, how was the game? Oh, it was awful. So there you go, folks. And again, I think they just thought against hubris that like, well, we're TSR. We'll just slap this out the door and people will lap it up. Mm -hmm. No, it really. And I mean, don't get me wrong, through the years, like it never had the success of Magic the Gathering, but like Legend of the Five Rings was a a worthy contributor to the collectible card game market. A number of people really swore by it and liked it. And it went on for a number of years. But I mean, it fell by the wayside, but as did numerous others. But Legend of the Five Rings comes back into the TSR story, too. Yeah. Because uh, I guess it was the president of that company that actually saw the shape that TSR was in and considered buying them. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Watsi and said, hey, why don't we work this deal and you can buy my company too. Mm-hmm. You take these all at once. What's really one of the saddest stories of all is the, uh, uh, Richard Garriott, who had originally came up with the concept of Magic the Gathering, 
And even that, the old story, nothing's really original. He actually got the idea from a board game, mm-hmm. and that. But he, but they came up with the collectible component, and that's what's solid gold. But he first went to TSR, and they like, man, get out of here. He went to Steve mm-hmm. Jackson Games, and Steve Jackson's like, meh. Mm-hmm. But luckily, he went to no, actually originally it was a board game, Robo Rally. He was trying to sell, and um, he played with his buddies. He came up with guys like a math teacher. And that's the story. He went to Watsy with this Robo Rally, and they were like, eh, we don't want to get into board games. You got any other ideas? And he goes, well, there's this card game I've been playing with my buddies. And the rest, as they say, is is history. But it's sad to think that, man, what if, I mean, how different this story would be right now if TSR had said, hey, you got anything different, guy? Wow. Yeah, if TSR had started the collectible card game, who knows if that would even be a thing now. Yeah. That could have been something that they crushed it. Or they just bungled it coming out. Yeah. Like you say, what if even then they might have bungled it or mismanaged it or whatever. So, um, anyway. But, yeah, back in the day, there was so much TSR product on the shelf. There was always something new, something more to buy. Do you remember the first time you saw the, uh, was it Dragon Dice? Yeah. I was actually working in a game store, I believe, at that time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was like, oh, boy, I get it at cost or whatever. So I was just a dude going through the RPG section at like, what were the, the little shops at the time, like not Hastings, but the little, like Walden books in the mall, mm-hmm. all the little bookstores that used to be in the mall. If you yeah. remember malls and bookstores, yeah. Walden books and, uh, B Dalton's B Dalton, you beat me to it. Bookseller. I mean, I remember that if I went to the mall, I went to both of those. But when Dragon Dice came out, I'd picked up a copy and held it in my hands and I was like, Okay, but actually, I'm going to buy the new Ravenloft box that's out or something else. I'm still buying RPG stuff. So Mm -hmm. the collectible card game and the dice was completely wasted on me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it. Right. But for you, since you were in the shop, you were able to get stuff. So you were kind of like, okay, I can try it out. Yeah, and that was, and honestly, my my boss at the time was one to encourage me because that side of the store was like, I don't want to deal with those role-playing freaks so he it was up to me to like by all means open a box i mean there's times if i didn't show interest i, I should have if i was smart i wouldn't show interest in anything he'd basically here's a copy of it learn this be able to teach it to people that come in and sell it you know mm-hmm. so anyway but the dice game really didn't catch on with you or catch on in the store. No, I don't remember anybody. really. I think me and Gary, maybe Alvin, tried to get together and play it one time, if even. And it was just like, meh. It was a big meh. Yeah. And then Spellfire trying to be a direct competitor and failing. Horribly. But they'd spent a lot of money on these products and rolling them out. You know, they didn't do the whole test market thing first and stuff that you hear nowadays. Um, I guess they just were so full of themselves or who knows but But i'd say back in the 90s we would have said there's no way this will ever end this will be a success forever so here's a question i'll pose to you did you ever get into skills and powers no i was out by then okay you were out so yeah towards the end of second edition they'd introduced some books that really allowed a lot of customization which really hadn't been a thing up till then because like in D, it's like hell i can remember the early days where it's like roll three die six down the line, in a row, those are your stats, suck it up, you know. And then eventually it might be like, well, I'll let you move the stats around, or you'll be able to switch to, or... Well, so with skills and powers, there were some books they put out towards the end that allowed you to really, let's just call a spade a spade, min-max your character. 
if you were that guy. Or if not, you could definitely customize the character. It was a point system. And they did a, a number of these books. And they you can even there were some rules in that, that sort of the, for the second edition DMG, this was very further into the printing where it was the like DMG Mark II. And it was that same black cover with red lettering as the skills and powers. There's a whole chapter dedicated to like customizing, building the exact character you wanted. And so anyway, yeah, so that became a thing. So that people either loved it or they hated it. And I remember people that hated it, didn't like it, wouldn't allow it at their table, mm. thought it was just heresy. You know what I mean? You know, so that probably didn't help them either necessarily. That's yeah. But second edition didn't kill it. Second edition didn't kill the game. That no, wasn't no, the. No. It no. wasn't like fourth. Oh yeah. Which say what you will. Much maligned. Yeah, that really could have been a death blow there. And I remember at fourth, you knew you weren't in the golden age. Oh yeah. You were like, oh man, the nobody's thing, buying this. It was a huge shot in the arm for Piazzo and Pathfinder. Yep. Pathfinder was ascendant. That was the golden age of third party, or that's like. Yeah. I can't remember if me and you were making this analogy the other day, or maybe it was me and Gary, where it was like, you've got your Coke and your Pepsi. Mm -hmm. In the RPG field, there was no Pepsi. Mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons was the Coca-Cola, and then Piazzo was the RC Cola. <laughs> they were the big red, whatever. They're right. the, they, they exist, <laughs> but you don't have to worry about them taking your market share. Yeah. And that was like, okay, now Diet Right, is beating the crap out of Coca-Cola. You're like, yeah. what? Wait, what? Yeah. So in fourth edition, it seemed like the writing was on the wall. Oh, yeah. It looked pretty dire. In second edition, the writing was on the wall that it's like, this will be a golden age forever. And in fourth mm -hmm. edition, you're like, this will never improve. This is the last generation of RPG from D&D, &D, maybe. Yeah. And but, this is how D&D wow. ends. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was very weird. It but that's, was. as you go through your, a long RPG career, you'll see that stuff. Oh yeah, it's, it's wild. Because I mean, fourth is is really doesn't probably deserve all the shade that gets thrown at it. Don't it get can't. Me, yeah, I was gonna say it, it's very much maligned, and some of that rightfully so. But anyway, we played fourth edition for a while. But I mean, I will say I've literally hell I've played every edition of D and D practically, and even some of its competitors. You know, mm -hmm. and I mean, eh, you know. Well, here's another one as like one of the golden age things for right now is there's so much third party. Mm -hmm. But there was a ton of third party back then. Mm -hmm. Call of Cthulhu was big back then. Oh, yeah. Instead of having Goodman games, you had Steve Jackson games. Right, right. You had GURPS and you had Rifts and all that. Mm -hmm. There were competitors. So, I mean, you did have other places to go if D&D wasn't your game. Yeah. The role-playing games were everywhere. Because it's funny, growing up and through my life, there's been those people that are indie people. They're like, Bleh, I don't listen. Right. Like, the second that it, that song premieres on the radio, they're, they're not going to listen anymore. But before then, like, listen to these this band I discovered and listen to their music. Their stuff's cutting edge. And the hipsters. So the hipsters, you know. And so there's been a lot of those people that, maybe not to say hipsters, but they're basically like, I will not play D&D because it's the original. It's when all the, the pedestrians, the, you know, the Philistines play, you know, I play whatever weird off the wall, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, there's definitely some diamonds in the rough out there and they're not even, you know, rough. I mean, you know, there's, there's some good stuff. Yeah. Oh, you had White Wolf. Oh, yeah. Which we completely forgot about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did you play White Wolf back I, in the day? Some. Um, eventually they came out with their line, their fantasy line of like a, a, a game that's supposed to be competitive with D&D. 
But even before that, of course, was the werewolf uh, and mage, vampire, mage, wraith, yeah, changeling. Which yeah. again yeah. goes into everybody thought they would be printing money forever because this is the golden mm-hmm. age of RPGs yeah. back in 1990 ish. Sure, sure. Wow. Isn't yeah. it weird? Everything that's new is old and everything that's old is new. It comes yeah. back into fashion. And it's wild because it feels like, oh, the 90s, that was like yesterday. No, that was, you know, 25, 30 years ago. But anyway. But it's 20 really, years ago was the year 2000. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things, guys, that it's like, I mean, hopefully, if you're like, I, I just appreciate history in general. And then it's interesting to think there's an absolute, but it's been around long if there's a history of RPGs. You yeah. Know? And we get that a lot of people listening to this aren't even as old as us. And oh, you yeah. weren't there in the earlier days and we weren't there at the beginning of times. No. But I think it hopefully it's interesting for you to hear some stories from the old people that, telling you about what it was like back then when mm-hmm. you could actually go buy this stuff on the shelf instead of having to go find it in somebody's dusty bin now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like wild how much some of this old stuff's going for. You know? Yeah. So anyway. Hmm. So there was a lot of third-party stuff back then. There was just a ton of inventory on the shelves. You were never at a loss for something new to buy from TSR. Or these other companies. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ra- Ravenloft was kind of put aside by Watsy because I think a vampire. Oh, wow. Because they oh, were like yeah. vampires beating you guys down in popularity. Whereas yeah. I don't personally see Ravenloft and vampire as competing that, products. Yeah, not at all. That, that, was, that was silly on their part. But I know that we, I thought I might touch on this while we're talking about second edition. Like, was there a necessity for second edition? I mean, honestly. Yes. Yeah. And one of the reasons why uh-huh. was, we've, if y'all have listened to our, and if you haven't listened, I'd like to think it's one of our, our better ones. But anyway, those, the satanic panic, we talked about bad or bothered about D&D and the public outcry and all this different, the so-called public outcry. They, they kind of cleaned it up because second edition does not have half works. It didn't have the assassin class. And there wasn't much reference to demons or devils. You know what else second edition doesn't have? What's that? Gary Gygax. Oh, that's right. Because that was part of his deal, too, was he was still going to get paid for his works that he had done. Uh So they're like, we're going to reprint all this. So you stop getting the money from first edition stuff, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, they really were trying to stick it to him. Yeah, absolutely. Every way they could. We're going to take your name off your baby. Well, here's a yeah. what if for you. Mm-hmm. What if Gary Gygax had got to do third edition? Because even him doing second edition would have been different. But if he'd got another edition. Well, you know, it's like when he got ousted, he went out and formed his own game company, of course. Uh-huh. But this was when, and again, if you'll read that Empire of Imagination or the other worthy contributors, they'll probably, I know Empire of Imagination talks about beyond just D&D, the history of role-playing games to a certain degree, initially they were somewhat basic because this was the giant upon which shoulders... So everything was rules light. Rules light, but it, it wasn't because it was intended that way. It was just this is the original iteration of these games. But then... They got crunchier and crunchier mm-hmm. and crunchier to the point it was just ridiculous. And we get it. There are a lot of nerds and geeks that play D&D, especially back in the day, that were like, I'm an astrophysicist, you know, by day and D&D or at night. But it's like it got to be, and that's what I talked about with 3.5, this encyclopedic amount of information. It was overwhelming. It was annoying. It kept people out of the game. And Gary Gygax was right there with it, with his legendary journeys, where you needed a math degree 
to play the game. And that's where it went. It went from... In a, a graphing calculator. Yeah, it went to some very loose codified rules so you could play pretend mm-hmm. to where you needed your graphing calculator and that was what was fashionable. Yeah. If players could make sense out of your rules, you were doing it wrong. If yeah. somebody off the street could just come in and pick it up, that's not good. Yeah. It's got to be a lot more difficult to learn the rules. There's got to be six different sub-rules for everything. For example, who even wants to do a grapple? Yeah, right. That was the joke forever. It was a joke. Yeah, like 3.5, it's like, ugh, grappling. You know, because it was this whole algorithm or something. It's like, come on. There's got to be an easier way, you know. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was just silly that how crunchy it was. And look, what we went into but a what's renaissance. what's the trend now? We've trended back the other way. Where rules, like, not for everybody, but for a lot of people. And that's me. I find that, like I've said in recent years, rules get in the way of the game. So if you want to see what 6th edition is going to be, that's it. <laughs> it's got to bring back the crunch. It's yeah. got to have the the cry from the people that are like, ah, it's not codified enough. I need more rules. I need this mm-hmm. written out like a legal contract, Yeah. which I will hate because oh. I'm very rules light. Yeah, that's that's And Gary definitely. will love. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, the perfect game. Well, wait, this one little tweak I need to make. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, we love you, man. Um, but anyway... So, anything else to touch on there, Mr.? Yes, I will. Andy? We're getting a little long into tooth here, but yeah. one thing that I did want to mention was sure. uh, when Watsy bought them, mm-hmm. they said that, well, they got a lot of feedback, and for Magic the Gathering, they did a lot of research with their players. Mm-hmm. So, I applaud them for that, that they really got to know their player base. And that's what Watsy did. They did the market research and was like, TSR did not take feedback from their customers at all. Mm-hmm. They did not give the customer what they wanted. They told the customer what they wanted. Right. So, and there was a lot of that. And like the point about Ravenloft comes from that, where it was like, actually, this is considered a competing product, so we're going to get rid of that. Mm. Yeah, but there was a lot of that TSR mentality where we know what's going on and we'll direct the market and we will tell you what you want. Yeah. Cause I will say they didn't see the writing on the wall there either. Right. That's where Pathfinder even improved on 3.5 because there were certain glaring things that were just, and we as the players have been playing the game for years and it was all then the internet was a thing by then. So we're all the internet going, dude, uh, uh, power attack is broke. Power attack is broke. Power attack is broke. Power attack is broke. Never did anything about it. And finally, day one, Pathfinder literally had all these forums and read them. And like day one, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to fix Pathfinder." <laughs> so even then, some of these companies just get—I yeah. don't know. And then okay, one more final note was yeah. that when D and D was created, mm-hmm. they actually had it. They gave thought to it that they never wanted to be in the hands of non-gamers. Mm-hmm. They always wanted the core of it to be a gamer. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I think that Gary Gygax thought he'd always be involved and he'd always be the lead dog for TSR, no matter who had the stocks or this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? Once he's ousted, mm-hmm. who gets it is Lorraine, Lorraine Williams, Williams, who, who is supposedely not known, a gamer. For having a di- known for supposedly, this is a rumor, I don't verify, she had a disdain for gamers. And this is the woman who's the number one person at what was the Ula La Gaming Company at that time. And that's one of those reasons probably why it was like, we'll give you, you'll eat what we give you. Mm-hmm. We know what you want. Whatever we put out there, you'll hog it up, piggies. Yeah. And then when Watsy did buy TSR, 
they said this will keep it in the hands of the gamers because we're mm-hmm. gamers yeah. and those guys had kind of started from Dungeons and Dragons too. Yeah. And then a few years later, mm-hmm. what happens? Yeah, here comes Hasbro. Yeah, which is not gamers in which they had always fought against being owned by some mega corporation. That's one reason why what's his name stepped away, but he kept his hands on Gen Con. Gen Con, because he and he's still making money hand over fist with Gen Con, by the way. Yeah. So okay, now you've got me going. One more little tidbit for me. Here's an interesting thing. So I'd been playing Magic the Gathering, and we'd been playing that for a while, but. I had uh, been on a forum somewhere, and they had talked about this is just this is this is when Wizards of the Coast was just doing Magic the Gathering. This is before they bought Watsy. Mm-hmm. I mean, before they bought TSR, and they were putting out feelers that they were looking for their own unique games and role playing games. They decided they wanted to branch out more into role playing games. I was in communication with a person at that company that my old post apocalyptic game Afterworld. After um, we, there, I mean, there was a number of back and forth emails and I had submitted like a rough draft of it and I was really getting excited to think that I might would have my role playing game, you know, published. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, it was all over the place, you know, Watsy has bought out TSR and I was like, oops. And I got a little, sorry, bud, but we, we've just That's bought done. it. We, yeah, it's done. We have, we've, we own every, we own Gamma World, D and D. Yeah. Thanks for your interest in our little back and forth, but we're not looking for any new role-playing games. I'm like, all right, thank you. Well, yeah. to go back to uh, Watsy getting brought out by Hasbro, yeah. do you know what actually made Hasbro pull the trigger? That was the final last carrot to dangle in front of them so that they're like, yeah, we'll buy you for just an ungodly amount of money. Mm-hmm. Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Because Wizards ended up getting the rights to the Pokemon card game. Which was hot poop at that time. But I think they had it originally so they didn't know if it was going to be hot poop they uh-huh. assumed and that was one of the things hasbro tried to buy them out and they're like well that would be okay but you haven't given us anything for our pokemon that's going to hit so they got a lot of different uh things built into the contract then where it was like okay we're going to give you this much more based off of the pokemon money coming in and if it does well you'll get more money too and buddy they did oh yeah i can remember going into gaming stores that originally popped up Silly Magic. That was their real bread and butter. And then going into those game stores, and it would be literally 8 through 12-year-olds wall-to-wall screeching and clamoring. And Oh, man, it was a mess. So your game store really changed for those of you that didn't exist in a pre-Magic world. Oh, yeah. It was a different place. They oh, actually yeah. had to make money without Magic cards, if you can imagine. Yeah, because nowadays most of these stores, that's what props them up. Yep. Let's be honest. I know a lot of table toppers and RPGers that are like, magic. And I'm like, oh, you want the game store probably wouldn't be here for your benefit if it oh, wasn't yeah. for magic. Let's put things in perspective. I know that some of the table toppers and RPGers resent that, but it is what it is. Oh, yeah. No, I give them their props. I'm not going to hate on magic because it's keeping the doors open. No, I'm not going <laughs> to tie that tie my vein off again and start tapping i've been there they call it cordboard crack for a reason hey for you though have the the wherewithal the time the money knock yourself out but i'm going to keep my marriage intact <laughs> okay i think that's all it for grandpa's story time <laughs> with us being the grandpas you got any uh, last shots you want to give them 
No, just by all means, again, thanks to, you know, some people have gotten some really good feedback and um, ideas for topics. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Where can you leave us feedback? I have no earthly idea. So if you go to the computer long or the Longview Computer Center, mm-hmm. they will tell you where to leave your feedback. You can leave it right here on SoundCloud if you're listening there, probably on your little iTunes. On Facebook. You can leave it on Facebook when we pay, post this up. So, And, of course, if you use emails, noclassrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Right on, right on. Mm-hmm. So with that, I can see we're all out of hit points. Ah.